What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. On today's episode, it's Saturday, so it's the mailback episodes, which means all the topics come from you guys, the listeners and viewers of Chicago Bulls Central. We got questions about P. Will in the playoffs, Derrick Rose's jersey retirement, uh, is BD the leader that the Chicago Bulls actually need, Kobe having a better season coming in. We got a bunch of topics coming in today. We'll get into all those and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans. So, as you guys know, I love the Saturday Mailbag episodes. It's honestly one of the more fun episodes to do over the course of the week. Just, just being honest with you and doing a lot of this coverage, it's, it's, it's just fun to, to interact with you guys and the level in which we're able to do. I love how the mailbag episodes have grown. Um, you guys feel more and more enticed to just send in your voicemails and your thoughts. So we're gonna go ahead and jump into it. The first voicemail today comes from Marvin. What's going on, guys? Marvin. Okay, uh, I just wanted to address two issues here. The one that you had on your last broadcast, uh, hey, uh, the one with Patrick Williams. I mean, excuse me, Patrick Williams and Derrick Rose. First, Patrick Williams. Look at his playoff guy. They gave him 23 minutes in game one. He went one for three from the field, 0 for two from uh, from the three-point. He only scored five, five points. Game two, 32 minutes. Minutes are going up, guys. Five of nine from the field. He didn't hit a, he didn't hit a three. He was 0 for two with 10 points. Game three, 30 minutes. Now, he had a bad game, 0 for 9. But game four and five, he played 33 minutes in game four. He was 7 out of 13 from the field, 3 out of 6 from three-point range. He scored 20 points. Game the uh, game five, which we, was a blowout, I know that. 35 minutes, 9, nine out of 13 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. He scored 23 points. Progression, guys. And us. It's time. It's time for us to let him have the ball. Listen to those minutes. 35, 33, 30, 32. He's producing. The, Patrick Williams has all the upside in the world if the Bulls use him. It's time for the coaching staff to be confident in Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, everybody on the team. Derrick Rose. You know, guys, we know his jersey should be retired in Chicago. That's not a problem. But as far as in the Hall of Fame, I feel it's still to be determined. If Derrick Rose can get on a, on a winning team and come off the bench and show that he's real important in the playoffs, it'll solidify his Hall of Fame status. So I say Patrick Williams on the rise. Derrick Rose, good luck. We appreciate Wish we had him, but the contract too high. But Derrick Rose should get in. And if he doesn't produce in the playoff, I think he's still uh, right on the board. So I think he should get in. But, guys, look out for Pat. If we can get him some good minutes and get some uh, confidence in him, I think he can really do well. Take care. All right. And so, Marvin, uh, my unofficial official co-host here at Chicago Bulls Central. But, no, I do love Marvin. I love how uh, I call him Marvin the motivator because that's really what he is. He tries to always – you know, lift people up when it comes to the Chicago Bulls. They're just painted in in the the most positive light possible. So you know, he brings in Patrick Will, Will's, uh, Williams' playoffs and how he he grew over the course of the playoffs. And I love how he actually pointed out the fact that once you put the ball in Patrick Williams' hands, he shows a lot more ability and a lot more confidence and things like that. So you know, the the thing with Patrick Williams is, and I said this on uh, the episode yesterday as well in which I did my uh, 2022-23 predictions for Patrick Williams, and I said he needs to have the ball more. The coaching staff needs to put the ball in Patrick Williams' hands more. Now, some of you guys did sound off as well, saying that, you know, when you have players that are ball-dominant, Zach Levine, uh, DeMar DeRozan, it's going to be hard for Patrick Williams to get more possessions. And so, um, you know, and, and how does that hurt his development, right? And the thing that I'll say to this is, is that, 
DeMar DeRozan has played with another ball-dominant player before um, and, and played with a point guard in, in Kyle Lowry, and he knows how to play off the ball. I do know that, yeah, what a lot of what DeMar DeRozan does in the half court, it helps, it helps cover him up in his lack of three-point shooting a lot as well. But this is the thing that I'm going to say is that this is on the coaching staff to make a change. And, 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 you know, the thing is, is that, yes, you do have Zach Levine and you do have DeMar, DeMar DeRozan who are both ball dominate Zach can play off the ball he's shown that ability we've seen him grow that part of his game over the course of his time here in Chicago so he has that ability now as far as DeMar DeRozan and his lack of three-point shooting and why he does have to have the ball in his hands a little bit more here's what I'm going to say to this and this I don't know how controversial this is going to be I love let me be clear here I love DeMar DeRozan and the season that he had for the Chicago Bulls is special I love that I love everything around it since he's come here to Chicago and for most of his career DeMar DeRozan is a damn good basketball player but at the end of the day, DeMar DeRozan has one more year left on his contract. And even if he does re-up, DeMar DeRozan is not the future of this team. So it is up to the coaching staff to figure out, yes, DeMar he can. DeMar's going to find a way to be productive in any minutes that you give him. But if you want this team to, to reach its max potential, if you want this team, especially if you're not going out making any huge deals, guess what? It has to come with trusting your younger players in Lonzo Ball, in Patrick Williams, to absolutely have the ball more. You can't keep building your offense around DeMar DeRozan because we don't even know how much longer he's going to be here after the season. It could very well be one more season, and that's it. If you want these guys to develop, if you want these guys to be what pushes you over because you're not going out and, as we've seen, at least in this offseason, you're not going out and signing any big names, you have to let the players that are on this team develop. And how do you do that? By trusting them, putting the ball in their hands, giving them more opportunities. So I'm not saying DeMar DeRozan doesn't need to do any half-court ball handling at all. No, I would be crazy to say that. But I am saying that you need to give possess more possessions to Io DeSumo, more possessions to Lonzo Ball, more possessions to Patrick Williams for them to grow their playmaking. Because if you cultivate that now, that's going to be the things that 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 helps this team push over the level and helps those players develop more. And that's the one thing that I do have an issue with Billy Donovan sometimes is that, yes, he's a great player to set the co uh, coach to set the coach or things like that. But is he developing these young players enough? Even when you talk about Kobe White and turning him into more of a jump shooter than a score, things like that. That's what I have issue with. And when it comes to Patrick Williams, since this front office absolutely believes in him and wants to see him develop, and they're betting on that in a lot of ways, this coaching staff has to adjust to that and put him in better situations for him to develop. So if that comes by him needing the ball more, then guess what you have to do? You have to put the ball in his hands more. We're not saying he needs to run every play up and down the court, but he does need more possessions to grow that side of the game. Now, as far as um, Marvin's thoughts on D Rose's uh, jersey retirement, things like that. I'm all in agreement. It's basically the same things that I said in my video yesterday, and I am in full agreement with Marvin on that. But let me know what you think, guys. Think down below about those topics. Let's get into this next one. This one's from Alvin. Hey, hey, how you doing? This is Alvin, first time uh, caller. Uh, I'm calling to say two things. One, I I do understand why the why bull fans are upset that uh, Agni isn't doing much to update the roster. But the way I see it is that, one, you know, they, they do, we do need help with rebounding, interior defense, and shooting. But I think what some people fail to realize is all of those issues, well, the biggest majority of those issues is from the bench. If they add players for the bench that can, uh, you know, fill those issues, then I say that Ashley did a good job or a great job uh, this off season, as quiet as it, as quiet as it is. You know, Gabriel Dragic 
that is uh that is that's a passer but it's also uh a score to a degree. Uh drumming who can be a threat in, uh defensively and can rebound when he puts his mind to it. You know, I think that they did good this off season. Fixing some of the issues from the bench. I mean, I see why people want to get Rudy Gobert, but let me let me know what universe they can get Rudy Gobert and have him come off the bench because that's where the main issues rely in. From what I've seen the past offseason, the second thing is about Derrick Rose. I do think that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because not only is he the youngest MVP in NBA history. He's also, you know, the first rookie since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to have career-high uh, points in his rookie playoff debut. Also, you know, but, uh, you know, even though he's not the 23, 24-year-old Derrick Rose, he is still a threat to most teams when he's being used properly. Um, that's all I have to say uh, about those two topics, T-Ray. Uh, go, go Bulls, and you have a good day. All right. And so Alvin talks about Bulls fans, you know, being upset that the front office didn't do more. He also talks about, uh, you know, in, in the bench production from this team. Yes, we I've, I've said it a lot before. Scoring-wise, this Bulls team was was one, almost dead last in the league in bench scoring. There's never been a team to make a significant run with bench scoring that low. And when I say that, some people are like, well, there have been tons of teams that have had bad benches in but not bench scoring ranked that low amongst their peers. You can you can point at some of those Lakers teams with bad benches. You can point at other teams. There's not been. And go and check. Somebody please fact check me. Again, I'm not saying that there hasn't been a a team that 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 maybe as far as averages point wise, average maybe even less than the Bulls average off the bench point wise. But I'm talking about ranked amongst their peers. Scoring has gone up in the NBA. So if you keep if you're just using the raw scoring number, you can absolutely find examples. There's not been a team with bench scoring ranked that low. But bench production is also more than scoring. The defensive intensity off the bench, things like that. Listen, this bench, Bulls bench, I, you do have to give some credit to is the fact that a lot of the bench players got put in the starting lineup because of the injuries, because of COVID, things like that. So we really didn't get a chance to see this bench operate as a bench. Devontae Green was in the starting lineup most most of the season. And then once uh, Lonzo Ball went down, it was a mixture between Io DeSumo, Kobe White, and uh, and uh, and uh, Alice Caruso starting at point guard sometimes. And we've already seen that that does not necessarily work. So yeah, there were a lot of situations in which the bench players were in the starting lineup. So hopefully now with a year of health, and that's another thing that AK and Eversley bet on with how they did this offseason, we can get a better look at what this bench can do when they come together. And you do have a player now in um, uh, Andre Drummond who comes in and can get you about 8 to 10 off the bench just by being active, by being on the boards, things like that. So, you know, that's that's kind of my thoughts on that one. And uh, as far as the Rudy Gobert piece that he mentioned, um, and this is something that I'm going to say, and I know a lot of Bulls fans don't want to hear, don't agree with, the Bulls don't have assets to make a big trade right now. It, it, it doesn't, like I said before, KD can literally tell the Nets the only team that I want to go to the Chicago, is uh, the only team I want to go to is the Chicago Bulls to pair with Zach Levine, figure it out, and the Nets would laugh at him in his face. Because no draft picks that we can trade until 2027. Um, yes, we got... Nice pieces in I.O., but guess what? People were saying Kobe and Vooch are going to get you. The Kobe and Vooch are not going to get you there. They're not going to. That's not even going to start the conversation. Um, even if, even no matter how you want to look at it, if the Nets are looking at future pieces uh, because they are, know that Kyrie may be gone and KD may be gone, the Bulls don't have that. If they want a, a young star now to pair with with Ben Simmons and maybe uh, hope uh, that it keeps Kyrie Irving in 
Brooklyn, guess what? The Bulls don't have that either. Yeah, and people who've mentioned, I've seen people in comments mention, well, put in DeMar DeRozan. That's still, so you want them to take it. Well, and they, to take an older player? Like, come on, man. Listen, it's not going to happen. The Bulls don't have the assets to make a trade for Rudy Gobert or Kevin Durant. And that's one of the things that I said. Yes, technically, you can come up with a trade that works in the trade machine, but you got to take in the motivations of both, both teams in that case. And I just don't see that trade out there. But, you know, let me know down below what you guys think on that one. Let's get into this next voicemail. This one's from Shay. What's up, man? You know who it is. Yo, I was watching your Nikola Vucevic take, and I agree with a lot of things you said. And you actually said a lot of things that I have also said. And it seems like, man, you are basically on the same page with this. Now, do I think he could make an all-star team this season? Probably so. But... Let's be real here. He was the only consistent player for us in the playoffs, really. Only one that didn't really get shut down. Really. It really wasn't injured. And when you look at it, he was the most durable. Besides the COVID, him and DeMar did not miss any games when you really start to think about it. And uh, 17 and 12 really does help out a lot, especially when you're the third option. I just feel like Bulls fans need to take a minute to realize where we were before we got him. Think about it. We didn't even have an inside presence when it came to scoring, but now we have one. I think we need to be a little bit more appreciative of Vooch. I know I've said that before, but I feel like, you know, we just want all or nothing. I feel like that makes us pretty selfish. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. All right. So Shay asked if Vooch can make another all-star team. You know what? I'm not going to say it's outside the realm of possibility, right? We've seen players go... Uh, have down seasons, come back, be able to be all-stars again, especially when you look at, as I've said before, right? As much as Bulls fans like to hate on Nikola Vucevic, he is still in the top five to top 10 of every statistical category for his position. And that's not, that's a player that's always going to have the chance. Now, uh, again, a lot of, because the fan voting and things are a big part of all-star voting, it's going to be difficult when Nikola Vucevic is having games like he had, especially to start the season. Um, but again, his average is solid. Um, what he gives, and you know, I saw a stat from StatMuse, I, I think today, where it's like Nikola Vucevic is like fourth and three-pointers made for centers. Like, things like that. Can Nikola Vucevic put up great numbers that are all-star type numbers? Yeah, Nikola, I mean, he almost did it with 17 and 11. I think Nikola Vucevic can easily have a 19 and 11 and 19 and 12 season. And at that point, yes, you are statistically able to be an all-star, but with the voting, it's how you get those points as well. And somebody, some idiot in the comments as well was like, oh, Nikola Vucevic puts up empty stats. No, it's not empty stats. This is the thing with, that I say with that, and that, that's the issue with Bulls fans and fans of every um, single fan base is that you either overvalue or undervalue your own players. Yes, you can easily point out centers that are better defensively than Nikola Vucevic. And a lot of people do. They're like, oh, well, let's just plug this guy in. We get better defensively. But don't realize what you, how you get worse offensively. Look at the Bulls' offense when it was going. Look at how many possessions, how many touches Vooch got that ended in scoring. Not necessarily him scoring, but ended in scoring, meaning his passing, um, him stretch, his ability to stretch the floor. Because guess what? Even when Vooch wasn't hitting the three consistently, a 35% for a center is still very good for his position. And people still had to guard him out to that three-point line. We never Never really in games, yes. As games went along, yes. But you never saw a team come into the game just like, oh, we're just gonna let Nick, we're just gonna let Voot shoot. We're not even gonna worry about guarding him out to the three-point line because guess what? He can get going. He can put the ball on the floor. He can he can um get into the into, into the middle and score in the post. So yes, can Nikola Vucevic have have another all-star type season? Is the way I'm gonna go that yes, he can. Will he actually get voted? It depends on how he goes about 
getting those numbers when he gets them, right? If he comes on and he's playing well to start the season. Um, so things like that, as is, is, well as a lot of conversation around him. But yes, Bulls fans' view on Vooch is very skewed because they don't look at the totality of the game of basketball. Look at just what Vooch lacks defensively. They say, hey, let's just plug in a better defensive center. But then don't, don't realize how the Bulls' offense moves and how um, spacing, passing, ball movement are big parts of that. So when you try to input players that won't be able to continue that part of the game, no matter what they give defensively, it's going to be even if it's a net even, the Bulls don't get better with that. For example, Miles Turner, one of the players that I talk about a lot as far as Vooch. Yeah, is Miles Turner better than Vooch? Yeah, yeah, slightly. He's not as big as some people would have you believe. But what what Miles Turner is as far as a horrible passer, uh, he's a black hole on offense sometimes. He doesn't have the uh, the IQ on the offensive end of the of, of the ball. You, you gain a better defensive player, but a, 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 a not as a good of an offensive fit. Vooch needs to hit his shots at a better clip, absolutely. But we'll see. And Bulls fans on, on Vooch, like I've said before, is a bit skewed. Um, but let's go ahead and move on. Let's get into this next voicemail. This one is from Julia. Hello, Hayes. This is Julia. I have a question for you. In my opinion, the Bulls coaching staff, mainly Billy Donovan, as the head coach, sometimes lacks leadership and accountability. The Bulls' first half of the season was good. They came out with intensity, grit, and they played as a team. The second half of the season, they just fell apart. They couldn't win, and they were not playing cohesive at all. I know sometimes in football, there's a term that they use when players feel like they are lacking good leadership from the coach or coaches, and they just check out mentally, and they just play the game that they know. Now, I'm not sure if Billy Donovan has lost the locker room, but what adjustment does he need to make to exhibit good leadership and set an example for his current roster? Thank you. All right. And I knew as soon as I heard Julia's voice that she was going to talk about Billy Donovan. For those that don't know, who aren't often in our chats, Julia can't stand Billy Donovan, but she actually brings a solid question here. Um, did Billy Donovan lose the locker room? I don't personally believe that we did. When you hear the team talk about uh, Billy Donovan and things like that, I think that he is a player's coach. I think the players on this team do like Billy Donovan. Um, so that so I, I, I don't see that. I'm not saying that it may not be the case, but I'm just saying that in what I've seen, I don't think that that's the case yet. Could it get there? Absolutely, especially when we talk about something like I talked about in one of the earlier questions. Billy Donovan not necessarily putting his players in the best position for their skill set. He tries, at least in this last season with the Bulls, he tried to fit them, some players, into roles that didn't necessarily fit their skill set. Now, I will say over the course of Billy Donovan's career, he has been a coach that really builds his system around the players rather than trying to make the players fit a system. So I hope that that changes in the upcoming upcoming season. Um, but when you talk about the intensity getting lost as the season went on, I do think that players playing out of position, injuries, um, players being tired because they like I think that played a part in losing the intensity as the season went on. Um, but I will say this. While I don't think that the players checked out on the coach last season, I do think that it could get there if they continue to not have the success in the post game. I mean, in the in the postseason, if they have another fall off in the second half of the season, those type of things absolutely can happen as well. And as far as uh, Julia's question on what adjustments does this coaching staff need to make, kind of talked about it, I think, in the first one. 
They need to use their players better. They need to use Lonzo Ball a little bit better. They need to use him in the half court a little bit better. Same thing with Patrick Williams. They need to stop the iso ball as much. And I get sometimes iso ball is going to be needed, and I've said it before. As much as people point out iso ball, a lot of times, a lot of the Bulls players, because of the inexperience, stood around and watched Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan go to work, and they weren't moving without the ball. Those are the adjustments that I think this coaching staff needs to make. They need to solidify coming into the offseason, in training camp, you bastards move without the ball. This is the type of motion offense we're going to use. That's what I want to see. That on top of using players a little bit better, putting them in better positions for their skill set. Those are the type of things that I would like and hope to see as we go into next season for the Chicago Bulls with Billy Donovan. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This one is from Ricky Carroll, so you know it's going to be a doozy. Brother Hayes, this is Ricky Carroll. How you doing? Hayes, I'd like to ask you, ask you, could you do me a favor? Could you remind everybody that Kobe did not have an offseason and he did not have a preseason? And if you played in the basketball, unless you were just an outstanding shooter, your shot don't come on like that. Kobe messed up himself because he wasn't, he was only trying to shoot three pointers. He can go to the basket, take his man. There's a lot of time he could have went to the basket, got fouled, but he chose to shoot the three. So give him an opportunity to have this. This, this, this summer off to practice and to work out and the preseason to play, and let's see what's happening. He's still a qualified ball player. He tried to play defense. He really tried, okay? And I think his defense was better. Kobe shot himself out of Chicago shooting on them damn threes, not taking the ball to the basket, okay, when you get the opportunity. And um, he did that the first year he was here. He was very successful. So think about that. Maybe you could bring them points out. Like I said, man, I don't care if nobody hear me but you. I like talking basketball. I wish I can hear you talk back to me, but I will one day. All right, Ricky talks about Kobe White not having an offseason, not having a preseason, being more of a scorer than a three-point shooter, uh, smarter. He does need to be smarter with the ball, things like that. This is what I've said on Kobe. Kobe White's going to be a Chicago Bull. Unless something drastically changes, Kobe White is going to be a Chicago Bull, even to the detestment of a lot of Bulls fans that want to see him just be moved. He is going to be a Chicago Bull. That's the way everything's shaping up. That's the way, that's the writing on the wall right now. And guess what? You got to deal with it. Now, with that being said, it, with Kobe, this being a contract year for him, we can see it go one or two ways. If they don't think that they have a chance to, to re-sign Kobe, or if Kobe's not playing well to start the season in the minutes that he is given, whatever minutes that, that is, we can see Kobe fall out of the rotation. Now, if Kobe is in the rotation, I do want to see them put the ball in his hands a little bit more. I do want to see them use him as a scorer. Kobe White is better when he has time to create, has time to, you know, dribble, get down low, things like that. He hasn't really flashed all of that skill set. And we saw, yeah, a little bit in the first season and the second season, not as much last season, because they did force him to be a perimeter shooter last season. Kobe can do more than that. I want to see Kobe come off pin downs. I want to see him come off screens. I want to see him have times to try to penetrate uh, with the ball, which he flashed a little bit of last season, not as consistently as I would have liked him to be able uh, successful at it. But you want to see that Kobe's still 22 years old. He'll be 23 next season. You still want to see him have the chance to develop that part of the game if he's going to be on this team and he's going to be given minutes. That goes back to what I said in the last voicemail. They have to, the coaching staff has to use some of these players better than what they have historically, well, historically, at last season, right? They have to. You have to, and I understand, yes, you have DeMar DeRozan, who's, who's a bucket, who's the king of the fourth, who's 
always going to either get to the free throw line or get a, or get a, or score the ball at times. But guess what? Like I said before, DeMar is not long for this team. You want to start developing people that are. And even if you think that Kobe White is not going to be that piece, which he very well may not be, but he very well could be as well as I talked about in my season preview when it came to Kobe White, is that Kobe White still, there is a, a form of this in which he is a Chicago Bull for a considerably long time. And what, by, what I mean by that is that if he does shine this season, if he's able to still give that 12 to 14 points off the bench more consistently than what he did last season and be that consistent threat, there's absolutely a world in which the Bulls re-sign Kobe White at the end of the season and they match a deal, especially if it's a reasonable one. So we'll see what happens with Kobe White. I think the time, where at one point we were like, well, the, the Bulls are giving big money to Zach Levine. What's the chance of them also signing Kobe White to a big deal? I don't know if Kobe White gets a big deal, especially if he doesn't have the impact season that he that uh, this season. So we'll see what happens and what's the future in store for Kobe White. But as the, the roster construction is right now, outside of just shooting, because people will be, say, oh, Goran's a, a good shooter. Kobe White's your best scorer off the bench, unless Io has made a huge leap this offseason, which he may still even be in the starting lineup because we don't know what's going on with Lonzo Ball. Kobe White is probably your best scorer off the bench right now this season. So he's probably going to get minutes, right? He's probably going to get tons of minutes. So we'll see what happens with Kobe White. I still think there is some potential with Kobe White. Absolutely. But of course, every year that goes on that, you can bet on that potential less and less and less. And Bulls fans are kind of at that point with Kobe White. But we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens with Kobe. I, I think we're, it's going to be made clear very early on in the season what type of season Kobe White's going to have with a full training camp, with a full offseason, with a preseason. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. So let's get, we'll get into that. Let's get into the last voicemail from today. This one is another one from Shay. What's up, man? How you doing? It's Shay. I was thinking, after seeing the last couple of picks from Io DeSumo, Patrick Williams, Marco Simonovich, and Dalen Terry, I'm convinced that AK is more of a low-risk, high-reward type of executive or GM, whatever he is, when it comes to these traffics. Because if you notice, a lot of these traffics have turned out to be good with Marco still in question and Dalen Terry still in question. And, but they're low, but they're low-risk players. So, but it's just the places that we pick them in can be questioned. Anyway, tell me what you think. All right, so Shea brings up AK and Eversley's drafting style. They go high, low risk, high reward type of draft. And what I was saying that when I initially heard that, I was like, yeah, are they really doing that? I think that they're going, there's still a lot of risk, right? Then we're seeing the risk with Patrick Williams. Like we're seeing the, uh, Io wasn't, wasn't, was a very low risk, high reward type player because at the bare minimum, you thought that he was going to be able to come in and be a defensive guard off the bench for you. Um, uh, Marco Simonovic, I think, was a huge um, high risk. I mean, it was a second-round pick, so as risky as second-round picks can be. But, yeah, I mean, here's what I'll go with this is that it's smart, though. It's smart to go low-risk, high-reward. When you look at Dalen Terry, right, for example, and we'll, the story's still out to be written on him, but he seems to, at the bare minimum, is going to be one of those players that's going to bring solid defense and energy off the bench for you, if nothing else. And we've seen those players are able to have long, successful careers in the NBA. When you look at Patrick Williams, Patrick Williams at the bare minimum, I think is going to be a solid defensive player in this league that can get you about nine to 10 points. That's again, that's a solid player to have on a team that most teams want a player like that. Now, yes, drafting him number four can turn into an issue to get that type of player. But with that being said, still, almost every successful team has that type of player on it. Marco Simonovic, I think, is a very, very high reward type player if he ends up panning out with his ability to put the ball on the floor 
score at three levels, things like that is an elite skill set for a big man. We just need to see if he can do it on the NBA level. Ayo Desumu, Ayo Desumu is, is kind of in the middle. Uh, he was definitely low risk, high reward, because what we're seeing from Ayo Desumu right now is that Ayo can very well turn into one of the best defensive guards in the league overall if you look at his advanced analytics. So yeah, I, I like AK and Eversley's drafting uh, style so far. Um, I know, like for me, just a little disappointed when I wanted them to go other picks, but a lot of the people that I wanted them to draft were off the board. The only one that, I, like I said, that was drafted after Dale and Terry, to me, that I would have liked the Bulls to pick was Nikola Jovic, which is a both high risk and high reward type player because if he just doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. So I, I get what Shay, that's one of the one of the better one of the better voicemails from Shay. So I appreciate that on Shay. Let me know what you guys think about AK and Eversley's drafting style so far, but. That's it for the voicemails for today. We do have one text that we want to get into, and this one's from the 312. We did not leave his name. Always leave your name, people, because I do want to be able to shout you guys out. Um, but text from the 312 says, Good afternoon, Hayes. A number of Chicago Bulls podcasts have indicated that the Bulls do not have and need a shooting coach. Based on the makeup of the team and last year's three-point shooting percentage, the Bulls are in dire need of a shooting coach. Outside of Steph Curry and Clay, we have one of the greatest shooters in basketball hi uh, history in Allie Quigley of the Chicago Sky. The Bulls should hire this WNBA champion. She resides in the Chicago area, and she is from Chicago. The players know her and respect her as a great ball player and champion. Here's what I'll say with this. I do want to see more women coaches come into the league because i do think like and i've said this before i cover the sky over on chicago sky central as far as fundamentals things like that the WNBA has a more uh, a better game when it comes to the, the fundamentals of basketball could quickly be a damn good shooting coach i absolutely think so i th that's a great pick but she's still actively in her basketball career so i don't know if that that would be a thing i think we have seen WNBA players though you know, do go back and forth. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. But the fact that I did hear and find out that the Chicago Bulls do not have a shooting coach did kind of blow my mind. Now, I did hear that on the CHGO Bulls podcast. I haven't heard any other podcast bring that up. Um, But with that being said, yeah, the Bulls do need a shooting coach. When you look at, like, we have a player in Dalen Terry who drastically needs to work on his shot. We don't have a shooting coach? We don't have a shooting coach. Patrick Williams needs to quicken up his release. We don't have a shooting coach. We don't have a shooting coach. Like, so yes, it is it is a big question mark, especially when you look at the Bulls and how they've drafted, how they do draft these raw players that have things that need to work on, namely their shots, and we don't have a shooting coach. Like, that's one of the biggest things that kind of blew my mind. And one of the things that as we talk about the front office, we talk about moves that they make, players they draft. We do talk about the coaching staff, but we never talk about like the lack of development there. We don't have a shooting coach. How do we expect Dalen Terry to learn to get his elbow in? Is it going to come through osmosis? Are you expecting the players to do that? Yes, the players need to mentor other players as well, and that's why you bring in veterans, but we don't have a shooting coach? So come on. Yes, that is definitely a thing. I think Quigley could be a really good shooting coach, but regardless of who it is, the Bulls should have a shooting coach on staff. The fact that we don't is, is wild to me. Wild to me. So, yes, I would love to see the Bulls add a shooting coach to this team because it's needed, especially, like I said, when you look at the players that we've drafted, the young players that need to work on their shooting mechanics, how do we expect to do that? Unless the Bulls do have a coach on staff that's not technically a shooting coach that has been helping and, and, and can help them on their shooting mechanics, absolutely we need to – whoever Lonzo Ball's shooting coach is, hire them right now. Right now. Hire them right now today. But let me know what you guys think down below on the fact that the Chicago Bulls do not have a shooting coach. But that is it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to this mailbag episode. Whether you're a listener on the podcast side or viewer on the YouTube side, you guys are what makes Chicago Bulls Central what it is. 
And uh, that's it. If you want to follow the show, you can do so at Bull Central Pod. If you want to send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and or voicemail, the number to do so is 773-270-2799. Like I like to end every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.